Um, today we're going to be talking about goodness, and um, I, in a series like this, when we're going, you know, three, four, five weeks in a row, I sometimes lose my place. So I want to go back and do a little review about um, the fruit of the Spirit, and as I was thinking through it myself, I found myself in the upper room with Jesus. And Jesus, um, I mean, I wasn't there literally, but you know what I mean. Uh, Jesus was with his best friends. He was kind of giving them the news, gently, that he was leaving. That the three years of working with him through the good and the bad times were about to come to an end. That was the bad news. The good news, according to Jesus, but maybe not according to his disciples, was that they were going to carry on his mission to restore a broken world. His news to them was, guys, it's it's up to you now. Uh, I want you to go to every corner of the world and take my message there. And if I were there, I'm sure I'd be looking across the table and thinking, I think I'm at the wrong party. (laughs) And I'm sure that thinking about the people who were at that table, who were fishermen and tax collectors and kind of common folk, not too educated, uh, I'm sure that they inside were kind of going, wait a minute, what's going on here? Now, they may not have gotten it either at that point, but after Jesus was crucified, uh, they scattered came back from the dead, they got back together, and once again, there were about 120, I think it was, and he gathered them together, and he starts to ascend, or he's getting ready to ascend, and once again, he says, okay, guys, I'm leaving, I'm not going to be back, Uh, you're the ones. Now, and then he gave what we call the Great Commission, which he said, you know, every tribe, every nation needs to be discipled, be baptized, hear the good news, and I'm going to do it through you. Both times, though, the good news, again, is that he said, don't worry, because I'm going to send to you a comforter, someone who's going to come, my Holy Spirit, who's going to come and enable and empower you to be me to the whole world. And in fact, you're going to do greater things than you ever saw me do. Once again, looks were being shot across the crowd, I'm sure, like, oh, come on. But 40 days later, the wind blew, and the Spirit entered a place in a miraculous way and came and filled those who were in the room. And the promise that Jesus gave us that the seal of our salvation would be His Holy Spirit living in us and equipping us to be Jesus to a needy world began there. And the 12 and the 120 and the 500 grew to today to be about 2 billion people who claim to be Christian. Still only one-third of the world's population. But God sent His Holy Spirit along with a couple of good things. He promised that all those who follow him, that his spirit will indwell, and that he will also give spiritual gifts, special abilities, 
so that as we work together, we'll be able to be a force around the world to fight against evil and darkness, to bring, to be the light and to be the salt. Um, he also said, through Paul, I'm going to grow in you character traits that will reflect godliness, and we'll call them the fruit of the Spirit. There are a number of different lists where words like these that are in the list of the fruit of the Spirit show up. They are character traits that grow in us as a result of God's Spirit being in us with the purpose of us being Jesus to a needy world. That's when I say us, I'm talking to people who have given their lives to Christ, who are willing to follow Him, people who have been renewed, born again, converted to follow Jesus, who His Spirit lives in. That might not be everybody here, and if you're not one of those, it's okay, you can listen in. But I'm mostly talking to people who have that experience because the fruit of the Spirit are available to us. In fact, God expects that to be growing in us. Um, let's repeat one more time uh, the fruit of the Spirit so we know kind of what we're talking about and where goodness fits into that together. Uh, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. <clears throat> I really like that list, and I think, wow, wouldn't it be cool? But then when I kind of look at myself in the mirror and realize that, you know, I have to ask about my own goodness tree, you know, how well is it growing and what is it producing? And I think, you know, two-thirds of the world, we're not doing so well. Why is that? Well, an another kind of condition that even shows up in the following verses in Galatians is that, you know, Paul talks about walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. It's like just because we've been equipped or been given the fruit as followers of Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that the fruit in us is growing to full capacity because we have the choice every day, probably every moment of our lives, to either walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means in a minute. I, there's a farm in Fenville, Michigan that Gail's uh, family inherited that was owned by a guy who was quite an entrepreneur. He loved um, to make something good out of the ground, so he, he planted at one time a bunch of fruit trees. He had pear trees, apple trees, and peach trees at least, as far as we know. And uh, he grew them for a while, and then he was interested in Christmas trees. So there was a big section of his farm that was all Christmas trees. And then he was interested also in, in um, fruit plants like, uh, um, like berries. So he had also places where he had planted a lot of blackberries and raspberries and others. It was obvious on the property that there had been a plan at some point, but the thing we loved the most as a family was to go there and just explore. There was a big old barn with all kinds of stuff in it. And then when we got out into the field, we, we could find the kind of leftover apple tree. It had shriveled little non-apples hanging there <laughs> with, with dark spots on them and, and worms. Uh, the peach trees only had peach leaves on them. We never did find a peach. 
Um, their pear trees were, you know, little pears and a lot of blackberries. They kind of grow anyway. And then the, the most interesting to me were the blue spruce. There's this cool blue spruce uh, trees that were only, it was like 20, 30 years old. It was only about just a little over my height. Great to cut off and take home for Christmas trees. Slaughter, take home, hanging, you know. But um, I was curious, you know, why? Why the potential for such productive place was really unkept, and it never grew beyond that. Um, my hope is that the garden of my soul um, won't look like that. <laughs> um, I'm afraid that it has, and I'm afraid that there are some pretty dwarf trees in there <laughs> that I'd like to, to see change, and that's why we're doing this study. Anyway, interesting enough that those following verses after the fruit of the Spirit really mention yielding our lives and walking in God's Spirit. In Galatians 5, 24 to 26, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So we're going to talk about goodness as we follow God's Spirit, as we help uh, Him produce in our lives. I want you first to think, we've got to define it first, but think about someone who, when you hear the word goodness, that person comes to mind. Could be your aunt or your grandma or your mom, probably not your dad, maybe. <laughs> think goodness. Okay, we're going to say those names out loud all at once on three. Ready? One, two, three. Cool, that's a lot of goodness. Um, and now, think of a character trait or something about them that made you think that, of goodness. Kind of a definition of goodness. We're going to break protocol, turn to somebody, and tell them why you think that person's good. Ready? Go. Okay, good. Got the definitions down? Now on three, I'm going to ask you to tell me what goodness is. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I did go to the ultimate authority. I went to Facebook this last week, and I, I asked all of my friends, all three of them, uh, what is goodness to you? And I got a, a, a pretty good response. In fact, some from international friends, I couldn't read what they wrote because uh, I didn't know the language. But here, here you go. Here are some of those. It's read quickly because it's going to go right by. Um, several of the... Kind of the more common responses had to do either with knowing what was right in doing it. Uh, was that the coffee one? Uh, or doing good for others. And that, that's really spot on with what I found uh, my word study to bring. I don't know if you saw Donna Cutshaw wrote Stu, her husband. If any of you know Stu, she was right about that. He is pure goodness. By the way, he's in the hospital in Louisville with his son, Chris, who was the rescue worker who was hit during the regatta in, by a hydroplane. And um, he's opened his eyes 15 minutes at a time for the last couple of days, and they have some hope. Uh, Stu won't leave his side. What's that? Stu? Hey, Stu. Stu, I just lied about you. 
You're not such a good guy after all. What are you doing here? <laughs> How's Chris doing? Great. Praise God for that. You need to keep praying for him and for his dad. So, I went to, um, I'm not a Greek scholar at all, but I did go to try and figure out what was the real word used in this list and what does it mean. And I wasn't real happy with what I found out because it, it made it much more difficult to define goodness as, in, in, you know, to be goodness than I thought. Uh, the word is agathosune, um, and it was used by Paul only, Paul, and he only used it four times in the whole scriptures. Um, and in this list, it has a kind of multi-layered meaning. I'm going to try and take you into that and, uh, so you can pull out of this uh, something that would, would be meaningful to you. Um, the Agathosuni word, he, uh, there, there are probably a dozen different words that came up when I looked for goodness. Uh, many of them Hebrew. There were quite a few other uh, probably four or five Greek words, and they range from good to goodness to righteousness to even kindness, uh, but this one was special by Paul. Three levels. The first one is nice goodness. I'm just calling it this. Uh, may be thought of as both an uprightness of soul, knowing and doing what's right, and an action reaching out to others to do good. That would be showing goodness to others. And here's the part that's starting to get a little edgy that I don't necessarily like, especially when it's not deserved. So this is a goodness, even though, you know, the person on the other side, you're still going to be good anyway. That's, that's the first level. As we plow in a little deeper, it also represents counter-goodness, I've called it. Doesn't react to evil, but absorbs the offense and responds with positive action. So this is goodness in the face of, of evil or next to badness. It's like good, doing good in spite of evil, like loving your enemies. And there's a word picture that I didn't intend to be on the screen, but it's like, um, you know, a blind man steps on your foot. Who's going to be upset with that person? Nobody. Well, goodness in the face of mistreatment would respond like that. Like, you know, it's okay. He didn't know better. Okay, next level, and this is the most uncomfortable level, <laughs> for me anyway, corrective goodness. Jerome, historian, definer of words way back, says, a sterner virtue showing itself in zeal for truth that actually rebukes, corrects, and chastises, which is Christ when he purges the temple. It's like a type of righteous indignation. So goodness goes beyond the line of niceness, almost to the point of being the guardian of what's pure and right, and intolerant of evil or, or bad. Of course, remember, the Holy Spirit's involved in all this, <laughs> and if we're in tune with the discretion that He can give us, knowing when to respond with niceness, and when to respond with rebuke. Um, I have a big question mark there in my mind, but I'm sure on the spot 
if we're following, if we're walking in the Spirit, we'll know. An example, I've thought of a couple examples of uh, this kind of radical package of what goodness is. And um, one of the examples, I think I'm safe in this crowd. Uh, I, I don't know if there are any Harry Potter lovers here or goers, um, but if you can get beyond the sorcery, the epic story of Harry Potter, a young man who is basically called out to fight against the most evil presence and his willingness to sacrifice himself, his willingness to stand up at all costs, including his life, knowing that he will die to eradicate the evil one, is a picture, actually, (laughs) is a picture of this kind of goodness. Now, don't go home and tell anybody, especially Tom, that I, uh, <laughs> that I use Harry Potter as an example of goodness, but truthfully, as in any epic story, there's a, a great fight between good and evil, and the good has to be willing to step up to ultimate sacrifice to be able to eradicate the evil, and that's the kind of goodness we're talking about here. Another example, which is much more real to us, a year ago, we asked for prayer for a situation that happened in Honduras in a city way north of where we visit, but with a young missionary couple who had a terrible thing happen in their church, and we were asked to pray for it. Uh, A letter that we received kind of telling us about this, uh, I want Gail to read to us, to clue you into a level of goodness that has to be supernatural that goes way beyond anything I could kind of pull out of my own self to be able to be this good. Dear friends, a friend of ours was abducted Wednesday night along with two of his friends, all from our church in San Pedro Sula. All three were shot and left for dead. Guillermo would have turned 20 today. Instead, he was buried. We just came from his funeral and wanted to share with you what happened there. Guillermo's body had been found on top of his friend Armando, who was unconscious but alive. Guillermo had given his life for his friend. The moment Guillermo's parents arrived on the scene where his body was found, his father began to shout and glorify the Lord. He proclaimed that he will not stop sharing the gospel as long as he is on this earth. All of the parents gathered to pray for those who shot their sons, for them to repent receive forgiveness, and all for the glory of God. There are quotes in the newspaper from both sets of parents glorifying God and praying for the salvation and forgiveness of those who did this. Today at the funeral service, Guillermo was an inspirational worship leader. His worship team led the service. The pastor spoke very highly of Guillermo's life and talked about how he is like Stephen in the Bible. Pastor Danielle invited the youth who have been inspired by Guillermo's life to come forward to recommit their lives to follow Jesus. More than half the congregation went forward. I want to talk a minute about kindness and goodness. Um, Tom talked about kindness last week, and kindness is, a, is something that you can do for someone. In fact, in, in in light of goodness, I think it's a little easier. You can, you can be kind without necessarily having to have a good heart. Um, 
goodness comes from somewhere um, a bit deeper than that. I think you can do goodness, and in fact, doing goodness inspires more goodness. I always hear from people who come back from mission projects that whether we lived in the dirt or whether we had to bounce along in the back of pickup trucks or whatever kind of work was to be done, uh, because of the goodness that was extended, that was uh, rewarded, I think, with a level of fulfillment, a deep fulfillment that nothing else could touch. So I think that just doing goodness in a way is, is worthy of the effort. But true goodness, I believe, is a, is a deeper something that we can't really make happen. It, we can help it happen. It's like trying to grow love or trying to grow faith uh, or trying to grow hair. I mean, you can't really make it, or a seed. You can't really make it happen, but you can cultivate um, goodness, and in ways, that's what I like to bring forth uh, right now. I want to push the garden analogy a little bit, quite a bit, um, to kind of weed and feed our goodness tree. Uh, the first thing I think we need to do is pull out the weeds. Uh, this is a hard step in confessing our sin, uh, taking a good look at who we are, moving the badness aside so the goodness can replace it, so to speak. Um, the garden of our souls, at least mine, has some deep-rooted uh, stuff there that, that I need to get rid of. And it's not easy or it, it's not without pain to pluck those weeds. But as long as our gardens are dominated by the weeds, the good fruit can't grow. And so any time that we spend before the Lord uh, listening with the Word to those behaviors we have, attitudes, thoughts that are not godly, um, and asking Him to do whatever He can to eradicate those <laughs> so that there's more room for the good to grow, is worth our time. We also need to prepare the soil, which um, I believe a lot of time in prayer, asking God to show us uh, how goodness can live in us, actually wanting that and asking Him for it is not time wasted at all. Providing nutrients, uh, sun and water also is good. Um, and that's where we go to the Word and figure out what really is God's best. How do we know what God wants. Well, the best way is to consult the scriptures and find out by studying the Acts, the uh, life of Jesus, the, the Psalms, the Proverbs, it's all there. And the last one, I needed another P word, so uh, we use proliferate, which just means to spread or to multiply the harvest by giving away goodness. Um, because it's getting late, I'm going to skip a lot of this uh, detail. And I want to move toward something that um, I would like for you all to, to see, and that is the benefits of corporate goodness as we join together and commit together to making a difference in the world uh, through goodness. Chuck Colson, in a, a study of a, of a series called Wide Angle that a men's group uh, that I'm part of is looking at, this Thursday said, the secret why Christianity is the most revolutionary force on the earth is that 
God chose to influence positive change in this broken world by overcoming evil with goodness, by being and doing good, by taking light into darkness, not by outthinking, not by outtalking, and certainly not by outfighting, but by outloving our enemy. We all need to make it a hobby or a habit of giving our lives away for the sake of others. Um, I'd like for you to see some photos of uh, places where the light is shining in the darkness. Uh, this is India and um, our missionaries there in North India. North India is about 1% Christian. And the goodness of the people there have taken a school to these children. These are rock pickers. These kids, uh, their whole lives, because of the caste system, all they will do is gather and break rocks and put them in piles until the rock yard is finished, and then they move to another and do that. Uh, the ministries of North India Christian Mission decided that their flourishing school was located in a place that really wasn't helping these children, so they mobilized their teachers to take school to thousands of rock picker children. And we've seen these kids sitting in rows. We've heard them reciting scripture verses. We've heard them singing songs. We've participated in giving them clothes and food and listening to their thank yous and receiving some of their hugs, dirty little kids as they are, <laughs> sweet hugs, because you know that because of the goodness of the people in North India Christian Mission and their desire to see the lives change of these children, they've taken school to them. There is some risk because there are many uh, Hindu and Sikh people around who don't want to see their culture change and they assume that because Christian values are also Western values like us, not cowboy hat Western, but you know, United States Western, that, that that's a threat. So our missionaries are in danger when they do this, but they do it anyway because the goodness in them is greater than the concern that they may be injured. Also in Ethiopia, a couple... Um, who are, have been in Africa a long time, David and Marcia Benwagenen, are part of a group called Good Samaritan that has an outreach to a neighborhood in Addis Ababa called <clears throat> Cora. <clears throat> now the requirement to be in Cora neighborhood is that you have to have active AIDS, um, HIV, or leprosy. And it's a section of town that no one wants to go to. This woman has no fingers on her hands from leprosy. And this ministry goes into their homes. It takes the scriptures in, asks what we can do to help, uh, brings in gifts, scarves for the women, some food, some clothing. Uh, but most of all, <clears throat> takes the love of Christ in the doorway. This man um, is the first, first leper to hug me. <laughs> um, I felt the scabs on his hands as he rubs them on me and I wanted to recoil and very clearly God's spirit let me know that I had no right to back away from his hug because God loves him as much as me. When we were there, uh, this man and his family were not Christian. In fact, they asked us to pray for his health so that they could make it to the site each morning where they go to beg so they could 
beg thoroughly. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, I got word a couple weeks, uh, about a month ago, that they are now uh, committed Christians in their home and around their neighborhood that the truth is penetrating the darkness. And um, I look forward to seeing him on the other side. I hope you can all meet him because he's one of us now. Yeah. And lastly, we, there's a young, ambitious young couple, Carol and Andreas uh, Pantau, who live in Indonesia. Now, Indonesia is the country that has the highest population of Muslims in the whole world. And uh, he is from Indonesia, and he's very, very committed to reaching his country for Christ, pushing hard at the local, there are a few local churches in his town, which tends to be more Christian than Muslim. But they, he's equipping uh, medical students who are Christian, to go with him eight, 12-hour drives to cities that are 100% Muslim to interface with villages that need medical care and also with um, a school that needs English speakers to come in. We went there, actually, and did an English class with all these uh, women with their pretty scarves and the, the men with little hats, and it was great. And... Uh, We've gotten also through Facebook word that some of the people who we interacted with are now also believers because of the goodness of the caring, kindness, and goodness of these people. So I want you to know that it works. <laughs> we know it works. We have, many of you have been involved in Hoosier's Care that reaches out to cancer patients who come here. And you've heard some of the testimonies, some of the, I just can't believe this is so too good to be true that you people could care so much for us in our time of need. 150, at least from this congregation, pulled out chainsaws and pickup trucks and went out and cut trees and freed up houses after the tornadoes. Over $30,000 has been collected at the Poorhouse Cafe in tips alone to send to global needs and to local needs around here just because people in Bloomington care enough to put a little extra money in the jar. Hundreds of volunteers joined in the search for Lauren Spear. And soon over 50 or over 500 pieces of furniture that you're going to donate, if you haven't already, to the furniture drive to give to international students who will have arrived here days before in one of their first encounters in Bloomington will be come, come to this church to receive a couch, a sofa, a table, something that, believe me, they don't forget the letter that we all heard last week from the Chinese person who had converted to Christianity here, her first encounter with us, I believe, was through the furniture drive. So there's a lot of goodness going on. It's through goodness that God wants to change the world through us. I'd like to ask you a few things, some penetrating questions that I've asked myself and will continue to ask myself as a result of this study. Um, if the word, when the word goodness comes up, does anybody think of you? I hope so. Are you willing to identify the weeds in your life and let God work to get rid of them so they can be replaced with goodness? Do you recognize the Holy Spirit in your life? And are you yielding to Him to do life His way? Have you asked God to grow goodness in you, really? Do you yearn to be full of and expressing more goodness.
Are you ready to stand firm at all costs to support and to do what is right and true? I would like for us as a church to cultivate more and more goodness. Like I said earlier, I know enough of you to know that there is goodness churning and stirring and spilling out. But uh, we can do more. Let's do more. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your example. Thank you for equipping and empowering us to change the world through goodness. We give our lives to you and ask you to do that for your glory and for your sake. Amen. If you need prayer, if you want to know more about following Jesus, uh, there'll be some elders up here front, and please come on up and talk with us. And stand now as we sing a closing song. Thank you.